Welcome to this week's episode of the HRDQU in review podcast, where we bring you the latest insights and practical tools for enhancing soft skills training in your organization. This podcast is brought to you by HRDQU.com, and I am your host, Sarah, Learning Events Manager at HRDQU. Today, I have Peter Garber joining me as we discuss the webinar, More Turbulent Change, that he presented to our audience just a short bit ago. So if you haven't had the chance to check out that webinar, After today's podcast episode, make sure you click the link below to check that out. And thank you so much for joining me today, Peter. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Peter, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and get get our audience up to speed a bit today about your background? Sure. Sure. Uh, Sarah, I'm a retired human resource professional with over 35 years of experience in working for a Fortune 200 corporation. I began my career at a number of manufacturing locations across the country, and then I moved to their corporate headquarters. Uh, I'm also the author of over 50 books on HR and business-related topics. Uh, during my career, I was directly involved in helping manage countless change initiatives. Uh, I wrote several books on change from these experiences, and the recent webinar that we presented was based on these books. Uh, Today, I still write, do consulting work, as well as present HRDQU webinars, which I enjoy doing. Well, that's great. And and can you let us know, you know, what changes do you see happening in the L&D space right now? Yeah, I'm going to maybe answer that in a uh, kind of a a, a different manner than than the way you just answered ask that question, uh, because I've been working uh, in the L&D field for over four decades, both as a practitioner and an author. And over the years, I was constantly searching for new topics to write about that I hope that publishers might be interested in publishing. Um, I found that the basic concepts that people really need to be successful in their jobs and careers seem to always sell the best. Topics such as communications and leadership, teamwork, collaboration, problem solving, interpersonal skills, conflict resolution, coaching, empowerment, engagement, performance feedback, and management development were always popular over the years, and I find they still are today. What this tells me is that these types of basic learning experiences will never go out of style. Uh, Of course, there will always be a need to develop new and innovating training experiences to keep up with the current times and trends uh, to to meet the present needs of employees, especially as organizations constantly change and evolve. But I find it reassuring to see that these classic training concepts and topics are still just as important and relevant today as they were over 40 years ago when I first began working in the L&D field. You know, I I once read an article that talked about cycles which occur in the world. And the article proposed that just about everything is cyclical if you step back far enough to see these patterns emerge. I feel that this principle definitely applies to the learning and development field. But you don't have to step, uh, step back very far to be able to observe these cycles or patterns concerning these basic topics to become relevant again in the L&D field. There will always be an important need for creating meaningful learning experiences for employees on all levels of the organization, as well as for developing future leaders. And I'd also like to know, you know, what exciting things are you up to next? Well, um, 
I'm focused on today, mostly mostly focused on developing training experiences, which are highly interactive. Uh, I feel that participants learn so much more when they're engaged in the learning process, when you engage these kinds of learning uh, uh, philosophies. And, and I've recently published several activity books that are designed to meet, meet this objective on the sub- subjects of performance feedback and preventing sexual harassment in the workplace. And as a refresher from the webinar, um, more turbulent change, can you let us know what the key takeaways were for the registrants at that event before we start to get into the deeper questions that we have today? Sure. I think there's a number of key takeaways. Um, First of all, I think it's important to remind ourselves that change is not the enemy. And we talked about that during the webinar. Uh, Even though it may not always feel that way uh, when we're being impacted by these changes, uh, and, and secondly, it, it's only natural to have some apprehensions about change. Change takes us out of our comfort zones and away from everything we may be used to in our work environments. And uh, that we may not be able to control the changes, which are all the changes that are occurring uh, in our workplaces, but we can control how we respond to these changes. And having a positive attitude about change will significantly help you deal with change rather than resisting it or complaining about it. Uh, and, and, and you need to think about how others, especially the leaders in your organization, perceive how you deal with change. Uh, you don't want to be thought of as someone who can't adapt to change, uh, has a negative attitude, uh, or drags down uh, the, change, the change process uh, for everyone. Uh, and being prepared for change uh, is important for both the organization as well as their employees. And being able to foresee change coming in the future can give you a competitive advantage over those who do not engage in these activities. Um, I believe that the need for change is often pretty obvious if you give it some thought and can see some of the signs of change coming. And and finally, uh, there can be many unexpected benefits which come with change, which you may never have thought were possible. And we had a lot of great questions come from this webinar event, and some of which we weren't able to get to during the event. Uh, So let's go through some of those today. The first being, you advise that people shouldn't self-destruct when dealing with change at work. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Sure. You know, as I mentioned during the presentation, uh, it's important not to overreact to an announcement concerning an organizational change even if you feel that you may be adversely impacted by these changes. First of all, you need to make sure you really understand how the announced changes may affect you before you react to these changes. What if when you learn more about the proposed changes, you discover that the changes may not actually be something bad for you, but could actually work in your favor? You may have created a negative impression on the leaders and others in the organization for no reason at all. Uh, But perhaps more importantly, you don't want to say or do things you may regret later on. Making statements such as, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, or if that's what's going to happen, I'm going to find another job, is obviously not a great career strategy. Uh, You might just hear something in response like, okay, fine, where would you like us to send your final paycheck? Not something you want to hear, I'm sure. Why do you think so many people don't like change and resist it when it comes? Sure. I I really believe that most people do not like change, uh, at least to some degree. Change typically takes us out of our comfort zones, just like in the arm folding exercise we conducted 
during the webinar, which you, you may remember. And a lot of people <clears throat> responded when we did a poll question concerning that, that it did make them uncomfortable. You know, change can be a scary thing. Uh, it forces us to do things that we may never have had to do in the past. Uh, it, changes, it challenges us to learn new skills, deal with different people, and changes many of the rules, quote unquote, we may have been used to in the past. I think that people's basic reaction to change is simply a natural response in most cases. What is most important is how we deal with these natural instincts and learn to channel your response to change in a, to, to change in a more proactive and productive way. And, you know, what would be an example of an unexpected consequence of change? And, and can this turn into a positive result? I'm glad that you asked this question, as I wanted to give an example during the webinar that I had in mind, but we just didn't have time to cover it. Uh, the recent pandemic crisis provided a good example of unexpected consequences of change. Of course, the pandemic was an extremely uh, serious problem for many people throughout the world. However, it does, did cause many changes to occur as well, some of which still continue today. One of these changes was where employees physically work today, with the focus on being able to work remotely rather than being expected to report to an office or some physical location to work. Even, the, the, even though the crisis is now considered to be under control and most restrictions have been lifted, many employees today have found that they prefer to work from home and wish to continue to do so. The pandemic itself proved that this could be possible uh, and even be beneficial to everyone in many or most situations. You know, this was something that uh, likely would not have been expected to occur at the beginning of the crisis. So that was an unexpected consequence of change, for, to be sure. Absolutely. And, and you made the statement that most successful organizations learn to manage change rather than allow change to manage them. How can this be accomplished? Well, you know, it, it is possible for organizations to manage upcoming changes, but they need to get in front of it. As I mentioned, this means that organizations must be able to recognize when a change is coming, hopefully before their competitors, and begin preparing for that change before it arrives. Then when the change occurs, they're already ready for the change and can respond almost immediately when others may be caught flat-footed and unprepared for the change when it arrives. But, you know, sometimes uh, seeing change coming uh, isn't really so hard to do. Uh, for example, think about all the focus there is today in the media and elsewhere about climate change and the resulting need to reduce the world's dependence on burning fossil fuels. The awareness of this need for change has been clear for decades now. There is a virtual certainty that these those organizations whose business is based on those energy sources must, be do, must do something soon to be prepared for the inevitable shift in their business models. The question is, what have they been doing to prepare for the seismic change on, on their horizons? If they didn't begin preparing for this change years ago, they may already be too late to be able to respond competitively uh, and when, and, and they, when they were forced uh, into action by changes in customer or market demands or even legislation. Of course, there are many uh, of these organizations who have been proactively developing and marketing alternative energy sources, such as electric cars for years, even decades. 
in preparation for this inevitability, which is exactly what they need to be doing to prepare for these major changes coming in their future. And do you really believe that the story that you told about the automated response tracking systems for cars could become a reality in the future? Um, yeah, um, yeah. This was a question that was asked at the end of the program, but it's worth rep- repeating here. Uh, as you remember, I told a story about an automated response tracking system, or ART, uh, being perfected in the future, making cars capable of taking control from the driver in certain circumstances, such as preventing accidents or helping the driver navigate properly to his or her intended destination. In the story, this navigation system recognized that the driver was not driving to work one morning, but instead headed to the golf course after earlier calling in sick to his boss. Uh, The system informed the driver that it wouldn't allow him to drive to the golf course and instead took him directly to the office. Making things even worse for him, the system had already notified his boss that he wasn't really sick, as he told her earlier that morning, and he was to report to her office immediately once he got there. Well, (laughs) that's that's a pretty scary story, isn't it? I, I responded to this question by sharing that I actually wrote this story a number of years ago, and at that time, considered it to be more fantasy than reality. Uh, however, today, with so much focus on artificial intelligence and driverless cars, and you see this in the media all the time, uh, I'm not so sure that this isn't possible and perhaps even a likelihood in our lifetimes, perhaps in the not-too-distant future. And again, a very scary possibility for sure. <laughs> and with that today, Peter, I think that, that that's a great question to, to close on. And before I let you go today, where can listeners go to connect with you? No, great. Uh, yeah, the best places to learn more about my work is at hrdqu.com to access my past webinars, or they can contact me directly at prgarber2110 at yahoo.com. Great. Yes. Make sure that you check out. Go to hrdq.com. You can type in Peter Garber in the search and you'll be able to see all of the available webinars um, that he has presented in the past, including more turbulent change, which is linked below. So make sure that you check that out if you have yet to do so. And thank you so much, Peter, for your time today. My pleasure. Uh, uh, I enjoy doing uh, the webinars and the podcasts. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. And thank you all for tuning into this week's episode. We hope you enjoy listening to the HRDQU in review podcast available on all major streaming platforms. And if you did enjoy today's podcast episode, make sure to give us a follow and leave us a review. I will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.